following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. So what we like to do here at Stone Oak Bible Church is on the very first Sunday of the month, we love to have our elementary students uh, in service with us. We do this for um, a couple of reasons. The biggest reason is for, for them, uh, for our elementary students. Our desire uh, is that what happens in here uh, is not a mystery to them. If this is what God has called us to do, and I believe it is as the church, then let's show them, our elementary students, what that actually looks like at an early age. We understand that not every word nor every song will be understood by our students, and that is okay. We understand that there will be slightly more chatter during a service, and that is okay. We understand that there might be drinks spilled and some snacks spilled on the floor. That is okay as well. Our hope is that every Sunday they and you hear the gospel proclaimed, in community. Our hope is that this causes questions for them to ask. We provided two papers in the back for you. Hopefully you received those as you walked in uh, that I would like to point you towards as a parent. These are um, aids for you as well as aids for them. The first is a sermon's notes page. This handout is designed for our elementary students uh, and those who still consider themselves to be kids. If you're an adult and you grab one, that is okay as well. Uh, And here there are some activities to help keep our, our kids on task. The other resource is a family resource. I didn't want to call it a parent resource because it is designed for the family, not only for parents. Uh, Kathy Hubbard, our family discipleship director, desires to equip our families. With that end in mind, she has created a simple sheet, um, and the sheet helps our families have conversations regarding the biblical text. If discipleship of families were to only occur on Sunday mornings, then we as a church believe that we have missed it. Our desire is that every single day that family discipleship is occurring. You can find both those resources in the back. Miss Judy is standing back there. Uh, feel free to get up and grab them now. You're not going to insult me or anyone around you. As I said, this is a special morning for another reason as well. Uh, if this is your first summer with us, and it is the month of June, so we begin what we would consider here in San Antonio summer, although summer never really leaves San Antonio, depending on where you're from. It just gets extra summery as we continue on in the next couple of months. Summery is a word. It is in the definition, not how I used it. Uh, each summer, though, we take a break from our current rhythm as a church. We, we take a break from where we have been, and we hop into uh, the book of Psalms. Our desire as a church is to have a balanced and healthy diet of both the Old and the New Testament. Our desire is that we have a balanced diet of different genres as well, from letters to narratives to histories. We desire to have a well-balanced diet of the Word of God. When looking at certain books, it's easy to see how to digest some of them in our diet. Later this year, we'll be hopping into the book of Ruth as well as the book of Titus. They are more easily digested. They are shorter. And in them, as we digest, it's like a complete course, if you will, in our dinner. Other books in the Bible are more like potlucks. 
more like the potlucks that I had the privilege of attending as, as a young child. Uh, my background, I grew up in south central Missouri in a small rural country church. About once a month, we would have what we call just a potluck lunch. The only place I've ever seen potluck lunch happen in this context is within the church. You go to most business settings and you say, we're going to have a potluck lunch. It looks very different than my upbringing as a, a young student in the church. So what this means is that everyone brings in their dishes and we then eat a meal together as the church. One of my favorite things about potlucks are the abundance of options and quantity. As a kid, I would fill my plate. It was so often that I would use the pile method. There's a specific method whenever you grow up in the context that I did of how to fill your plate. It was going to be a good Sunday whenever you saw what plates we had for the potluck. We aren't talking about the off-brand dollar store of paper plates. We're talking about the fine chinas, the Dixie of paper <laughs> plates. The ones that you know will not simply fold underneath a chicken leg and a deviled egg. We mean the plates that cause you to bust out the trigonometry. The plates that show you that this plate is not just designed for the x-axis, but this plate is designed for the y-axis as well. You need to perfect this method, though. It is not easy. You start with your heavier and your saucier items on your base layer. This is extremely important. The last thing you want to do is take some steak and some gravy and place it upon as your top peace. You've just ruined every delicious item now as the gravy seeps down to the bottom of your plate. The multi-course meal with plenty of options, as the potluck is, is similar to the book of Psalms. It is very robust. It's all part of one meal, but with every bite, you can get a different taste. Some bites are extremely sweet. Some cause you think back to a time in your life. This bite reminds me of my grandmother. Some bites are bitter and they're hard to swallow. Some, you aren't quite sure what it is, but you know who made it. And in there you have confidence in partaking of it. We would love to eventually cover every psalm as a church. According to my count, this morning is the 16th psalm that we'll be looking to as a church. We have a ways to go. This morning we're going to approach our text and our service in a very different manner. Uh, every church has what's known as a liturgy. Um, it is simply the way that you do church. This is um, an old term that for some of you, it has a great connotation. For others, you say liturgy, and it is like the deviled egg covered in sauce. It is not quite as appetizing. Everybody, though, whenever you walk into a, a service, a church service, has um, an expectation of what you will see, the order of events, and what you can expect. Typically, our service here at Stone Oak Bible will consist of three songs with a prayer, typically in the midst of those. We will then have a sermon, and then we will follow up that sermon with another song, followed then, last of all, by announcements. 
our piece that we can change will be communion. We typically will have either communion in the beginning, before sermon, or at the end, after sermon. This morning, we're pushing against our typical liturgy as a church. We're doing this because I'm not the main preaching pastor, and I can. And we're doing this because of the text that we get to walk through this morning. As you'll see, there's a direct application for what we're going to look at this morning and how we get to respond to what God is calling us to do. If you really hate the liturgy this morning, it is okay. Come back next week. I won't be preaching and messing things up. As we change the liturgy of, of, of our morning, many of you might be feeling very uncomfortable right now. If you're like me, you don't really care for change. It isn't as much change that I don't care for as much as it is the surprise of change. If you notify me that change is coming, I'm a little bit more apt to enjoy the change, where whenever it's a surprise and it's dropped on me, I don't quite enjoy it as much. I know this because I am preaching this morning. Don't worry. I'm okay. It's fine. I wasn't surprised. I'm glad you were concerned for me, though. For you this morning, it's surprise. I, I hope you enjoy as we change things and, and adjust things this morning. Anytime we are faced with things new, there are, are different things that, that happen within us, and we react and interact in, in different ways. Uh, this morning, I hope that we see the elements of what makes our liturgy come together in a very different light than possibly what we're normally, what we're normally used to. Um, it, it's similar to when your wife, gentlemen, comes in with a fresh new haircut or a fresh new outfit. The elements have not changed. She is still the same person, but your interaction might and should be different. This morning, as we switch around our service, let this be a refreshing breeze upon you. Delight in the newness and observe Sunday morning with a fresh set of eyes this morning. We'll be in the 150th Psalm this morning, Psalm 150. Some of you might already be there because I said our desire was to go through all of the Psalms, and then I said we've only done 16 of them, and then it causes you to think, well, how many do we have left? And so you go to the end, and you see 150, and you have great concern because we've gone through 16, and we have 150, and we have not even touched Psalm 119 yet. We have a ways to go. As a church, our desire is to walk through all of them, we have a ways to go. Will you stand with me this morning as I read God's word of Psalm 150? The psalmist says this, Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Will you pray with me this morning? God, I pray that you would use your word and you would use my voice to illuminate this scripture to us this morning. Will you use the power of your Holy Spirit to open our hearts and our minds, that, Father, as we look upon your perfect word, 
it will pierce our hearts. And by doing so, Father, that we would be doers of the word. Amen. You may be seated. As we look at this text of Psalm 150, I want to approach it in a threefold manner. Uh, I believe this text is easily broken into these sections, and depending upon your Bible's publisher, they might be broken up for you already simply by the spacing of the verses. Before we do that, though, let's do an overall survey of this text. There's a clear theme that is running throughout Psalm 150. Every line of this psalm begins with the exact same word, except that second to last line, the last verse. We'll look at this one in a bit. Hold on to it. The text is also what's called a bookend psalm. I mean this in a couple of ways. First, it is a bookend to itself. If you look at the first line and you look at the last line, they are the same. It is complete within itself. The author shows beginning and the end as the same. Even larger than the bookend within this specific chapter, though, is the bookend of the Psalter, the bookend of the book of Psalms. It's the very last psalm in the Psalter. It is designed as a final conclusion for the whole. The word praise, as we see each line begins with, it is spoken 13 times in these six verses. It's relatively easy then to point out and see the point of this psalm. It is to praise God, praise the Lord. As we look towards the three pieces of this text, let's break it into these three sections. The first section of where and who, the second section of why, and the third of how. Some of you are really frustrated with me because I didn't say those in order of who, what, when, where, why, and how. Welcome to a morning of non-typical orders. We're looking forward to clarifying here the what of praise. We won't necessarily spend our time with the what of praise. We will briefly discuss it, but the text doesn't seem to focus on the what, and so we will not focus on the what in majority of our time here. Let's walk through this text of Psalm 150 in a verse-by-verse manner, beginning with verse 4. Just kidding, that makes no sense to do this out of order when we're told to do it in any specific way. We're going to begin right at the top, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Let's stop right there. This is the summary of the psalm and the entire Psalter. Praise means to, to bless, to exalt, to extol, to glorify, to magnify, to thank. To praise God, as one commentary said, is to call attention to his glory. This is the simple definition of praise. This is the what of our text. What is praise? It is to call attention to God's glory. It's what we were designed and we were created to do. Our entire being and our purpose is found in this act of praising God. From the very beginning of time and from the very beginning of you until the very end of time and the very end of you. If you only hear one thing this morning, hear this. You were designed to praise God. This is where your purpose resides. There's nothing, nothing greater than living as you were created. We have elementary students in here. Every student that is in here, give me your eyes for one second. Look at me. 
God loves you. God has designed you specifically for this purpose, to praise the God that has created you. Praise him with your words. Praise him with your actions. Praise him with your thoughts. Praise him with your obedience. Praise him with your obedience to your parents. They paid me to say that. But it's still true. We can praise God with our actions. Praise him with your kindness. Praise him with everything that he has given and created in you. To everyone in here, this is our purpose. This is why we were created, is to praise God. Let's continue. Now that we know what we are to do, let's answer the first two questions of where and how. First, the text begins with a calling of us to praise God in his sanctuary. Verse 1 says, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary. It begs the question, though, of where is that? The sanctuary is where the people of God would gather. What is, therefore, then our sanctuary? Well, you are sitting in it right now. This is where we, as Stone Oak Bible, gather together to praise God. No longer does God reside in the temple, but he now resides with his people. Jesus himself declares this to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. And Paul echoes what what he has said in 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? This is the reason that we are able to have church in the beautiful facade of a middle school, home of the Bulldogs. This is why we, as the gathered church, can have church in here. It is not the physical walls which declare this as sanctuary, but instead it is the people of God filling it that declares this as sanctuary. For every church with a permanent building, there's usually this discussion of what to call the room where we have praise. Some will call it a worship center. Some will call it a sanctuary. Some will call it an auditorium. You have to decide what you're going to call it because it's part of, uh, of your branding, if you will, of what is that room that we point people towards. I don't typically like the, the title of sanctuary for that room. The only time that it would be the sanctuary is whenever... The people of God are drawn together within it. The sanctuary is a communal location. For us, it is where the people of God, and dwelt by the very Spirit of God, commune together. So when we come together, we are to praise God. This is our instruction. When the people of God come together, their number one goal should be to praise God. We can do this in many different ways, and we do this in many different ways. We'll get to to see the how in a little bit. At Stone Oak Bible, every time we gather, whether young or old, our goal is to praise God. This happens both in here as well as in our children's area. Uh, We accomplish this through singing, through praying, through preaching, through communion, through baptism, through discipleship through the proclamation of the gospel. These are all designed as tools to lead us in praise of God. 
We can't, however, do this alone in the midst of this. It is communal. Continue with me the second part of verse 1. Praise him in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. This verse here is, is most likely calling on those in heaven to praise God. The book of Revelation gives us many glimpses into worship that is taking place there continually. It's a never-ending time of praise to God. We join with the unseen heavens in our praise to God. We often utilize the book of Revelation for only things concerning eschatology, to, to the, the doctrine, the theology, the understanding of what happens in the end times. If you have some free time this week, I suggest you grab your Bible and you read through the book of Revelation. Look at the worship that occurs in this book. Don't get so lost in the return of Christ that we miss the worship of Christ in the midst of this book. This verse is a verse of completion. Some translations, depending on which translation you have, choose to keep it instead of praise him in his mighty heavens, to keep it a little bit more literal as praise him in his expanse. You might even have a footnote within your Bible of pointing you towards Genesis, towards creation, chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. These verses are where God separates heaven and earth. Every time we join with the chorus in heaven, we bring together these two. So where? Where do we worship God? We worship him in community when we gather. And when we do this, we do not do this alone. We're joining with the heavens and calling attention to his glory. This brings us to our next section here. Why? Why do we praise God? Read verse 2 with me. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. We praise God for two reasons within this text. We praise him for his deeds, and we praise him for his works. We praise him for his greatness. We praise him for his character. We praise him for who he is. These two, his actions and his character, are directly tied together. God acts in the way that he does because of who he is, and he is who he is because of his actions. They are inseparable. We should praise God for both of these things. Think with me along these two lines. What has God done for you that would cause you to praise him? We can go from the massive things, such as our salvation, down to the smallest of things, to the front row, front row parking spot at HEB. Take a moment and just think of the ways that God has shown his mighty deeds to you personally? Is it easy for you to see the ways that God has acted in spite of you? If it isn't, maybe it's time to change your own liturgy. Possibly a change of scenery and a change of order is in order for you to, to take what has become commonplace and see it with a fresh new set of eyes. We discussed last week the pillars within our lives. We saw in Genesis chapter 35 that Jacob set up a pillar to remind himself and the people of what God has done. 
Justin challenged us to think about our own pillars and to set up these pillars as reminders of the faithfulness of God. I'm asking you to simply do the same thing. Take a survey of your own life. How has God been faithful to you? These are the mighty deeds of a mighty God. When we look at God in this way, it should cause us to fall on our faces in praise to God. Do we, though? I know that many times my praise fails in comparison to the mighty deeds of God. It's almost as if I'm expectant for God to move and am thankless when he actually does. Can you relate to that? I know what my action should be, but I often have a problem with what my brain and my theology and my understanding of God is compared to what my feet and my hands and my mouth actually do. I get the joy of, of meeting with, weekly with a, a couple of guys in our church. Uh, this past week, um, the, the study that we're going through, the topic was on evangelism. Evangelism. That's, that's a tough topic. What, what makes it so tough is that we all know the right and the correct thing to do. It isn't that we don't have a correct understanding most often. How difficult, though, is it to move to action? Our praise of God is similar. One of the ways that I've seen this in my own life is when I get around certain people. Without, a calling, to, without, calling, these people, or without calling your attention to these people this morning, uh, I want to say to many of you in here, thank you. Your lives and your examples have been convicting to me and have shown me some of the rough edges that I still have. The way you approach everything in life with praise is amazing. And it is contagious to be around you. The psalmist here calls us to praise him according to his excellent greatness. Once again, think about the greatness of God. One of my favorite things that we have currently happening within the life of our church um, is our prayer gatherings. Um, in case you don't know, we have a prayer team within our church. We, we have gatherings monthly of all the church coming together to pray. I know that somebody saying a prayer gathering is, for most, not the most appealing thing. We didn't start these gatherings, however, for attendance boosters. When you think of prayer gatherings, you often have a time within your mind of awkward silence and trying to stay awake after a, a long day of work. This hasn't been my experience of our prayer gatherings recently. We have a prayer team that gathers every single week, and we have prayer meetings open to the whole church every single month. In fact, slight plug, this Tuesday is one of those gatherings. These have been incredible for me to be a part of and to witness. Typically, our order of what we walk through as a prayer team is Acts, uh, which is a, a method of prayer. It's a systematic approach to prayer. I'm a systems guy. You give me a systematic approach, I'm all over it. The Acts method, in case you're unfamiliar, is A, adoration, C, confession, T, thanksgiving, and S, supplication. This is the way that we process through how we as a group collectively pray. If you're struggling to praise God for his excellent greatness, let me suggest that you join them in one of these monthly prayer meetings. You don't have to pray. There is no pressure on you to speak, to pray, or to even attend. You can simply sit and listen if you so desire. 
The prayer team is tremendous and diverse at calling attention to the glory of God. One of the things that I enjoy about praying with this group is that oftentimes I come in with things on my mind regarding the adoration piece of God, things that I would like to praise God for. And then he uses somebody else in the group to remind me of a completely different aspect that we can praise God for. It causes my own prayer life and my own understanding of God's greatness to be then more diverse. Praise God for what he has done and for who he is. Join the heavens in praising God when we gather. Let's now transition and look at our last section. How. How should we praise God? Read with me verses 3 through 5. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud crashing cymbals. The psalmist goes through a list here of instruments. A commentator says this about this section. Not only is the topic too great for merely human voices to do it justice, it also deserves the full expression of human energy and devotion. Some people in the midst of this text get so caught up in the different instruments that you often can miss the point of this. The list is all-encompassing for this culture. It covers the three major categories of instruments which are present at this time. The string, the wind, and the percussion. It is all-encompassing. It shows every piece of their, their instrumentation. What the psalmist is trying to say is, praise God with the instruments that are available. Some of you in here have been given the gift and the ability to understand music and can be utilizing that for the glory of God when we gather. Let me be clear. We need you. We need you. As you look up here, you might see no room for you. We are always desiring to grow our team in both depth as well as breadth. Also, if this team gets so full, praise be to God. Kathy would love to utilize you in the children's area to lead them in worship. If God has given you a gift, use it. Some of you read this and you say, that's great for those that have the understanding of music. That is not me by any stretch. Let's talk about you then. Let's talk about everybody else. You might say you have no musical bone in your body. Some of you, I would agree. My father-in-law is this type of person. I love the man dearly and he isn't here. However, he would readily admit the same thing to you. The guy has no clue about anything musically. This text also speaks to him. And to every single person, relate here. Read verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Everybody, join me in this exercise. Are you ready? Take your mouth and open it. And then give me one of these. 
Good. You have all just signed up to be a part of our worship team. Caitlin, did you see that? Every single person in here opened their mouths and showed me that they can breathe. Verse 6 is all yours. Everything that has breath. Praise the Lord. Welcome to the instrument that you have been given. Some might have been given the harp for a voice. Others have been giving our last stanza, the loud clashing cymbal. Either way, praise the Lord. When we gather, we all have a role and a part to play in appraising God. This isn't a task left for those on stage. When we gather, we gather all of us together, fulfill what God is calling us to within this text. The group on stage is leading us in worship. They are not performing music for our enjoyment. Join the heavens in praising God when we gather for what he has done and who he is with instrument and with voice. Let me talk through some of the practical pieces of this text now. Practical pieces that um, are focused here first of us as a church, of Stone Oak Bible Church. There are many things that occur here as a church that you might not be aware of. That's fine. But let me point some of these things out. They say that culture is often more felt than it is defined. These are things that you have probably felt here. Let me help to define them now. First, we sing as a church in a very different manner than many. Our music is usually set at a volume that is loud enough to not make it awkward, yet quiet enough that we can hear one another. When we gather together to sing, we are praising God for who he is, but we're also reminding one another of the truths of the gospel. Our volume, as well as our lights, are intentional. We desire for the congregation to be as much an instrument as the instruments and the voices on the stage. We desire to sing praise to God and to sing God's praises over one another. Second, praise is not confined to music alone. Praise is evidenced within our songs, absolutely. Yet, it's also evidenced in preaching. It's also evidenced in prayer. It is also evidenced in communion. These all declare the greatness of God and his mighty deeds. Our entire morning is designed to be a sweet fragrance to God. Third, our, our worship style here at Stone Oak Bible, is much less important than our content of worship. I grew up in a time where contemporary worship was just starting to come forward. And it was often seen as a threat. And it was often seen as in a battle with the hymns and the traditional music of the church. I remember overhearing conversations regarding removing the organ since nobody knew how to play it any longer. And it was like you were asking to take grandma out back and to throw her in the dirt and to the rain and to the mud 
Although most of the disagreements regarding the worship wars are resolved today, there's still this residual that remains between hymns and contemporary worship. At Stone Oak, we sing both old and new songs. Our worship style here as a church has also changed numerous times in the life of our church. If you were with us during that very first year as a church, we had 12 different individuals leading us in worship in the first six months. That alone will cause your style to fluctuate and to change. What we care about here is much more about what is being sang, what is being said within our songs. Then the date it was written or the instrument that is used. We've even taken some of the familiar lyrics of some of our old favorites. We've placed them with updated instrumentals. Now that we've taken some of the practical applications for the church, I'd love to transition and look at the practical applications for you. First, play your part. Every individual in here is a part of what we do together on a Sunday morning. I ask you all to praise God as the people of God. Praise God with your singing. Praise God with your prayers throughout a service. Praise God with your confession of sin. Praise God with your doing of the word of God. Praise God with your gifts. Everything that has breath, praise the Lord. The psalmist intentionally wants to focus us towards this last verse. It's the reasoning behind the change in cadence. It is what you were designed and created to do. Do you remember at the beginning when I said every single line begins the same except this last one? This is intentional. It should bring your focus to this verse. It should be what we cling to. Don't get lost in the location or lost in the people or lost in the instruments. Get lost in the praise to our holy and perfect God. There are very few times that we preach which we can then immediately put it into practice. What we have just learned and heard and read. Often it requires us to leave this place and to go and do something in a different location. This morning is not one of those times. This morning we're going to spend the rest of our time in praise to God. We're going to get the opportunity to apply exactly what we have just read and heard. We get to do this through song. We will get to do this through prayer. We will get to do this through communion. I ask you all to be participants of your praise to God. You have freedom within this place to worship God. For some of you, that might be raising your hands as you sing. For others, it might be closing your eyes. That's all fine. This is our time together to do this together corporately. We are together a body comprised of individuals, not simply individuals alone. Will you stand with me and join together as we praise our God?